This talk is from our series on Covenant. Journey with us as we ask what does Covenant mean and what relevance does it have in our relationship with Jesus. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. Good morning everybody. The reason the lights are off is I've got a brilliant video to show you. Uh, if you are on Facebook in, in any kind of fashion, then you'll have, you'll have seen some trailers for this video. Um, just to add while I'm talking about social media, um, we've created a hashtag if you know about Twitter, and if you're on Twitter, and I'm looking around and there's some blunt faces already, but that doesn't matter, I'll continue anyway. If you're on Twitter and you ever have any questions or any statements or anything that you want to kind of add or talk about or maybe something we should think about, then you can tweet us those questions and use, if you know what I'm talking about when I say this, use the hashtag CCLeads. Hashtag CCLeads. Uh, so those of you who know what I'm talking about, that would have made sense and uh, send us some questions. If you're on Facebook, you can also do the same thing as well. You can also access the City Church Leads Facebook page and ask questions and things on there as well. Okay, so it helps us continue the conversation beyond a Sunday morning and even beyond to some extent the life groups because I know that the, um, the, the buzz that was at the life groups over this last week responding to John's word uh, that he brought last week about blood covenant has been really, really good and really exciting. Um, so we want to continue that vein of conversation. But I'll stop kind of feeding into it now. And what I want you to do is just sit back. And the reason the lights are off is so you can see this properly. And the sun is on our side at the moment. So here we go. It's the only love that's stronger than a husband. God's love is his goodness to me. God's love for me is unconditional. Uh, God's love means that I'm accepted, I'm significant, and I'm valued. It means accepted. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, think, um, he loves me, whatever, and um, in a way that no human could. It's kind of up to me, everything. I don't know. Can't, can't really. Yeah, it's just everything. That you're always held and you're never on your own, never alone. It means he's always there and you can always trust him. Challenge. Family. Um, Adoption. Uh, incredible. Walking with me every day, being beside me. Happy. In a way that is unquestionably um, without limit. It's like. He loves you no matter what you do. Uh, so if you do something bad, he still loves you. God's love is um, living in a state of peace and uh, it's been free. It's like the last words. It's slow, it's romantic, the lights it lights are down and you win the partner that you've chosen. Your heart. That I'm never alone, but it's always with me. A constant flow of faithful Smiles, and warmth, security, and um, being my friend. God made me security. I don't have to worry about being alone. Security, comfort, um, grace. Uh, he's always there. Um, touching everyone, and there's no colour, there's no boundaries. God's love is much bigger than an all-encompassing love that is greater than I think I've ever known. 
in my life. Um, although I have known the love of a wonderful lady, and that gives me some idea of what God's love is like. Security and uh, a person I know can trust. Kindness. I'm fully accepted for who I am. There's nothing that I can do wrong that's outside of his love that's going to take me away from that. And um, it just fills me with hope for the future. Guys, you were fantastic. Well done. If you want to um, see a better kind of, you know, where you can see it easier than on there, again, check out Facebook. It'll be on there from this evening. And for those of you who aren't on any of those social media sites, I'll upload it to uh, something called Vimeo, and you can view it next week, and I'll send you the link. But it's worth a, it's worth a second or third or fourth, fourth look. Um, you can tell that just by some of the answers, and particularly, more poignantly, some of the ways in which people couldn't answer the question at the beginning, how hard it is to define God's love. When we really start to think about it, it comes off very quickly out of our mouths, oh, God loves me, he loves you. But then when you, it does, he loves everyone, but when you start thinking, what does that love actually mean? What, how does it work itself out in my life? It begins to, it makes you think. It starts to think, oh, hang on a minute, how, how does that work? How does that mean anything to me? And I think there were some amazing answers there in that video. But the answers, there weren't just one answers, were there? They weren't just one answer. There were a multitude of different things, of different reasons and different words that people used as to why and how God loved them. It's really hard. I'm going to ask you a question, and then I want you to try and debate whether I can do this with you. Yeah, I want you to discuss the question within yourselves just for a minute. And it's quite a, a vague question. Um, so I'll understand if you sit there for again for about 30 seconds going, what, hey? Um, but I'm going to ask the question and just around the tables that you're at, just, just consider it and talk about it just for one minute. And then we'll come back to it later on this morning. And the question is, what is the primal force of the universe? So I just want you to park it. I don't want you to discuss or think about it anymore. And we'll come back to that question right at the end of my talk. But what I want you to think about now is I want you to think about Valentine's Day. And I want you to think, oh, I want you to think about Valentine's Day when you were a kid, when you were at school. And, and, and how did Valentine's Day happen in your school? How, what, 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 what went on? Um, I remember personally... Come Valentine's Day, there was a, an anticipation of getting some cards and seeing who they were from and hoping that one of the girls would eventually ask me to be their Valentine. None of them ever did. At least not seriously. I might have got one from my mum. Everybody else exchanged cards and some of my mates would send each other cards just for the fun of it. And, uh, but it, it, it was something that had very little impact, wasn't it, in any kind of real kind of mating ritual, to put a, a, a phrase on it. It didn't really, didn't really matter, did it? It was just a bit of fun that you did when you were at school and you, you gave these cards around. And I think way back then, particularly at the age I'm thinking about, you were way too young to understand or begin to even understand what love really 
really meant. Um, the process and the cards, they were quirky, weren't they? They were entertaining. Um, little cute emotional expressions and invitations brought on by our desire to love and to be loved. And it created for us, didn't it, this kind of sense, this emotional event, I think, even if that emotion was disappointment and loneliness. Um, but it, it was a search for... My hurts are coming out now. It was a search, I think. It was a deep search for emotional desire and this kind of tender validation. And the question I asked then, and even as you get older, I suppose, for some of us, that still stays true. Has love really come to that? Is love just, is it all boiled down to what Valentine's Day is and the things around Valentine's Day? Because these days, the word love, it really has gone a bit soft and a bit mushy. Really. It's packed with these emotionally charged sentiments. And we often rely on the emotion to get us through. And when emotions change, people think that love is lost. That poof, it's just gone. There's nothing wrong with emotionally charged love. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But even the most, because even the most logical of us can't get away from the emotional tendencies that love means and love has and, and what it is. So emotion is good. But what I'm stressing is that I think that l true love is more than a simple emotion. In marriage, for example, let's take marriage. And for those of you who aren't married, can just use your imagination a little bit if you can. But in marriage, there are many tough times, illness perhaps, financial troubles or parenting trials. And it's not that pure emotion of love that pulls you through. There are certain things that have to take place in order for your love to prevail beyond your troubles. And as I wondered about Valentine's Day and Valentine's cards and love, as I, as I thought about this, I thought, I wonder what God's Valentine's card would look like. And bear with me, I know it seems a little bit silly, but the underpinning of this is, what does God's true love look like? I think that God's Valentine's card wouldn't be dripping in some sentimental gush uh, it would be lacking an emotional drip. I'd like to think that instead of cartoon images of hearts and those, you remember those love is statements, I think Valentine's, God's Valentine's card would have something like this on it. That is the ancient Hebrew word chesed. Can everybody say chesed? It's like you're coughing just before you say the word, chesed. And I'm going to say that no matter what I say this morning, whatever I transmit to you through my notes and through my research and what I've done, chesed can only ever come by revelation. You can only understand chesed, God's true love, through revelation. You can read about it. You can think about it. You can sit there and swoon and believe that you're in it. But you can only really begin to get God's love through the revelation of His Holy Spirit. Chesed 
I'm going to end up with a really dry mouth by the end of this, occurs 250 times in the Hebrew Scriptures, and more than half of these are in the Psalms, making it one of the most influential words in describing the nature of God. In fact, God uses it to describe himself in Exodus 34, verse 6. Let me read it to you. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Let me reword that verse and try to slip in that word chesed. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God that is full of chesed, who is slow to anger and abundant in chesed. It's such a powerful and packed word that there is no single equivalent for it in the English language which explains why there are so many variations in the different Bible translations. Some render it as loyalty or mercy. Some say loving kindness, and that's one word, loving kindness, not loving and kindness, but one word. Others say steadfast love. English, our language, it simply can't adequately explain and capture the nuances of the original meaning of chesed at least not without added explanation. And I'm going to give you an example of this. And what I originally was going to do with this was going to read Psalm 136. And I was going to get you to speak back to me, the love endures forever bit. But God asked me to do something else. So I'd like you to all, if you can, please get a Bible out and turn to Psalm 136. And you'll all have different translations. Some of you will have New Living. Some of you will have Amplified. Some of you will have The Message. Some others will have the New... Loads of, you'll have loads of different translations, I know, because we don't, we don't promote one translation over the other here at City Church Leeds. So when you found 136, Psalm 136, I'm going to read it to you. And I'm going to read it to you as I've combined a number of different translations. Because what I'm really trying to do is get this thing through to you that we just can't adequately translate this word chesed. So follow me in your Bibles, but I will be saying different words. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his loving kindness endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Give thanks to the only one who makes great wonders. God's faithful love lasts forever. To him who skillfully made the heavens, for his grace continues forever. The Lord stretched the earth over the ocean. God's love never fails. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. He made the sun to rule the day. His love, his loyalty continues forever. Moon and stars as guardians of the night, his love never quits. To him smiting Egypt in their firstborn, for to the age is his kindness. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. He acted with a strength. 
a strong hand and a powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. To the one who divided the Red Sea in two, for his loyal love endures and led Israel through. His love is eternal. He cast Pharaoh and his armies into the Reed Sea, for his gracious love is everlasting. To him who led his people into the desert, for his mercies are to eternity. Give thanks to him who destroyed great kings, for his loving kindness lasts forever. He killed powerful kings. His love continues forever. King Sion of the Amorites, because his mercy endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Handing their land over as an inheritance, God's faithful love lasts forever. To be possessed by Israel, his servant, for his grace continues forever. God saw the trouble we were in. God's love never fails. And hath delivered us from our oppressors, for his loving kindness endureth forever. He provides food for all living things. His faithful love will last forever. Thank God who did it all. His love never quits. How many different words are used? How many different ways of putting them onto the page have been used to try and translate this word chesed? The ancient Jews knew what chesed meant. The very mention of that word was likely to conjure up something that was really succinct to them. Chesed was used to describe God's steadfast love or loving kindness or mercy towards people as well as the people's love and kindness and mercy towards one another. But there's even so much more to chesed than that. It's not just about translating something that can mean loads of different things concerning love. Now, those who know me know that I'm not really a Hebrew scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but through a bit of investigation, the ancient Hebrews could have understood chesed to mean this statement I'm about to read to you. So listen very carefully. A generosity by a giver at the moment when that precise graciousness is all that will rescue the one in need. Let me read it again. A generosity by a giver at the moment when that precise graciousness is all that will rescue the one in need. And the part of the sentence there, the generosity by a giver, is understood as something termed generous condescension. Generous condescension, which means a higher position on the part of the giver over to the one who is in need of rescue. When Scripture speaks of God's chesed, and I'm going to repeat these words over and over again to really get it into your, your, your mind, but hopefully the revelation will begin in your heart. That when Scripture speaks of God's chesed, God's steadfast love, His loving kindness, His mercy, the meaning is not drenched in emotion that the word love invokes in us today. Biblical love leans not entirely 
on emotion for meaning, but more on forgiveness and action. It's in the highest of highs of a God who acts in kindness, grace, and generosity to the lowest of the lows. The greatest example of chesed is Jesus. The Gospel of John doesn't tell us that God so loved the world that he smiled and swooned over it, or that he gushed and told his friends about it, and wrote poems in his textbook, or that he looked warmly at us, grinning from ear to ear like an adoring puppy. I've been listening to these CDs about Blood Covenant. Uh, that, uh, anybody know Kenneth Copeland? Yeah? He's very powerful, isn't he, when he speaks? Very powerful. Very American. And one of the, when he, when he, he talks about this, he goes, God so has seed the world. And God so has seed the world. He gave his only son. I can't really do that in English. When God so chesed his love. So think about, think about Kenneth's kind of power, as he said, chesed, when we're talking about love. It's not something soft and gushy and sentimental and over-feminized and all that. It's powerful. It carries power and action. There's a word, actually, in the New Testament which that word loved, that word loved there is, is, is actually agape. So there's another, another word for you to learn. It's a Greek word, agape. And some of you may know what agape means. But agape is, is, is the Greek's kind of translation of that word, chesed. It means a little bit more. There's a bit more nuance to it than just that. But let's just for the sake of today, just say that chesed is agape. So that God so agaped the world he gave his one and only son. And I'm just going to, as an aside, just go into agape just a little bit because there was something fascinating that I kind of discovered as I was looking into agape as well. The facets of agape are all over the New Testament, but one passage which I think pretty much all of us um, will know is uh, it's devoted to describing agape is 1 Corinthians 13. Lots of nods of heads, so. You get where, I'm going. get where I'm going. This chapter on love describes agape using in a number of translations these terms. Patience, kindness, generosity, humility, courtesy, unselfishness, good temper, guilelessness, and sincerity. Some of the words that people said in that video right at the beginning. But then I want you to look at Galatians 5, 22 23. You can just note it down for now. You don't have to go to it right now. Because those of you who know, you come across the scripture which then describes the fruit of the Spirit. And the Amplified Bible describes the fruit of the Spirit as the work which His, uh, work which his presence within accomplishes. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, and self-control. Just think about that. Look how similar the fruit of the Spirit resemble the facets 
of God himself. The Bible says that we are being transformed into his very own image from one degree of glory to another. And in 1 John 3 verse 2 it says, We will resemble and be like him at his return. That's amazing. That the fruit of the Spirit are the facets of agape or chesed. The very thing that is God. So let's come back to John 3.16. God so loved the world that he was driven to act upon that love, that chesed, that agape, that he sent his only son so that we might be rescued in our greatest moment of need. You can see how this is starting to connect now. In Romans uh, 5, verses 6 and 8, Paul describes it this way. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, at the precise moment in our weakness to sin, while relationally distant from God, when we needed most to be rescued, the giver... God delivered the only act of graciousness, Jesus Christ, that rescued us from the clutches of death and restored us to eternal life and into the new covenant, which is made possible by Jesus' death on the cross. John so wonderfully made the case last week concerning the act of sacrifice and blood involved in covenant. Jesus is our champion, our sacrificial lamb, which God cut a new covenant with. Chesed, agape, is not only the instigator of covenant, but covenant is the conveyor of his chesed, his hesed. His love. God shows his deep love for us. His chesed through his covenantal relationship with us. Remember what I've said that chesed is a generosity by the giver. At the moment when precious graciousness is all that will rescue the one in need. This then is the biblical Scenario through which love finds its meaning. It's played out not among equals, in which we so often believe love has to occur, but within an imbalance where the one who is able to rescue has the power to rescue the one who is in need, who is unable to rescue him or herself, me and you. Me and you. Chesed. Steadfast love, loving kindness, mercy is not emotion, but it's an active participation in a time of need. True love produces sacrifice and action, not just emotionally charged sentimentality. 
You can say yes if you agree with that. That's great. Steadfast love then can be said to be a purposeful commitment to sacrificial action for another. Repeat that. Steadfast love is a purposeful commitment to sacrificial action for another. For God and by his nature, Jesus, the call for us to love one another and one's enemy and neighbor is not simply a call to be emotionally engaged with people. Though, as I've said, emotion is a part of it. Jesus epitomizes the completeness of chesed when he said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That's in John 15, verse 12. We can expand on that to mean, be the giver of love as I have been the giver for you. Have chesed as Jesus had chesed. Now, it's one thing for me to say that I love my neighbor because I feel good about him or her. It's quite another thing to have chesed with them or chesed for them. Chesed is beyond just emotion, and I'm, I can't stress this enough. It's a choice. I remember um, that when I was getting married, or be, you know, when I was engaged to, to be married, um, the best bit of advice I got was that there will be moments in your marriage where you will not feel any kind of love for one another. That you will be irritated with one another, you'll be argumentative with one another, and you'll just maybe want to leave and go for long walks and just not be with one another. Let's be honest. Those of us that are married, it doesn't all smell of roses at all times. We're human beings with different opinions, thoughts, things that we want to do. Most of the time, we quite happily coexist with one another, but there are moments where you're going to have to choose to love one another until the reality of that choice comes back into focus until the reality of your, your real love for that person appears once again. You choose to act in love. Be so moved by Jesus that you are compelled to chesed, to reflect that steadfast love and kindness on someone else. It doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to be with someone you know. It doesn't have to be a lifelong commitment to one individual. You just need to reach in to somebody's life and rescue them from it. Be that your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your children. Maybe it's a coffee with a friend in times of need. Maybe it's, it's buying a meal for a guy who begs you for change. Just to say there, a few weeks ago, I was, I was out having coffee with somebody. I can't remember who now doesn't matter. But somebody was going around the tables begging in this place. And I just said no and carried on my conversation. And that has bugged me ever since. That's not chesed. That's not showing love for one another. That's a selfish act. 
what I should have done. He'd say, I'm not going to give you money, but can I buy you a coffee? Can I buy you a sandwich? It would have taken five minutes of my time to do that. And I'm pretty sure that most of us will have been in a situation like that, where you just kind of reacted first and then thought later. And so what I'm encouraging as you come to the revelation of chesed is that it's so ingrained in you that it's pouring out of every, every pore of your body that when things like that happen, you respond in chesed. Maybe it's sharing a story of hope with someone who has no hope. Maybe it's donating time or food items to a food bank. Choose to chesed in the moments of our lives by rescuing in the little ways that we can. I'm going to repeat that because it's, it's not something that is beyond what you can do. Choose to chesed in the moments of our lives by rescuing in the little ways that we can. Love for the mere sake of love. And remember too that no matter how low you feel, no matter how unworthy you may feel, no matter what wrongs you can't right, the steadfast love of God, the chesed, reaches from the highest of highs to rescue you too. I just want to conclude with this. And I want to talk about, very briefly, chesed, and just to expand on how it is connected to covenant. As I've said, that chesed, or loving kindness, is a word denoting emotion, but it is more a word of action. On the one hand, chesed is a gift from God. That's to say God imparts a measure of his loving kindness that's that one word, loving kindness, to each of us. On the other hand, chesed can be likened to a, a muscle in the body. A muscle which, if exercised, will become strong and able to do more and more. But if left unused, it'll become weak and useless. So if chesed is loving action, to cut covenant, uh, is acting out that love, then this covenant love is the love God has promised to give to his covenant people. And which we, in turn, are to respond in kind. Loving the God of our Bible with all our hearts, minds, and strength. Hesed does not suggest some kind of generic love of everyone. Like marital love, covenant love is given within the context of a relationship where it's already promised and where the recipient is commanded to respond in kind. Covenant love, like marital love, is neither optional nor unconditional. It's obligatory. That's not to say that chesed is compelled just as in marriage, love can't be forced, but it is commanded. Let's give an example of those marriage vows. Skip ahead a little bit. To take in sickness and in health. To love 
to chesed, to cherish till death. And they ask you, will you do that? And you respond and say, yes. It's a question. It's not a choice to be answered with a, dis- with a, with a, with a kind of a fuzzy feeling. You're being asked a question as you enter into that covenant. Will you love them in sickness and in health? Will you cherish them until you both die? You are being asked to choose. There is an emotional content there. But to enter into that marital covenant, you're being asked to accept the conditions of that. It's love may be freely and graciously given, but from a biblical point of view and from the context of covenant with all its blessings, there are also consequences, as John, again, touched upon last week. There's no really any such thing as free love. Chesed can be defined as mercy and grace. And as such, chesed represents an opportunity to demonstrate that we are the children of of God and followers of Christ. As I've already said, when we demonstrate uh, uh, this practicing acts of loving kindness, um, while Hesed represents an opportunity, it can also be our accuser before God if we fail to practice this gift. It's that thing of standing up face to face with Jesus and he says, how did you do? He knows how we did, but we have to tell him how we did. Have we used that precious gift, that chesed? Chesed then is stewardship over something very precious. Chesed is loyalty, it's faithfulness, it's making and keeping covenants. Chesed is the companion of truth. Those who walk in truth also walk in loyalty to God and demonstrate loving kindness to God's creation. So I asked right at the beginning, what is the primal force of the universe? The answer to this question can be summarized in this word. It can be summarized in that Hebrew word. Say it with me. Chesed. That is to say, divine loveness, divine loving kindness, mercy and grace, which motivated the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to create the universe. And it is the expression of this divine trait of chesed. The God of the Bible maintains and will eventually reconcile creation to himself. Thank you.